Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace, pastor of Redemption to the Nations Church. Listen, I'm grateful that you have joined us today for this message that God has given me to speak to your heart and to your life. I believe it's going to bring you strength and hope. I want you to pay attention. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray with you. Enjoy this message today. John chapter 6. I want to preach this message. I felt like the Lord just nudge me in this direction. I want to preach about shifting momentum. Everybody say shifting momentum. Do we have that, Chad? Shifting momentum. And how many can, how many can understand that the first three letters of the word momentum is what? Mom. I want to tell moms right now that moms are going to be responsible for shifting momentum in our generation. Touch somebody. If you're a mama, throw your hand up right now. Mamas, throw your hand up right now. If your hand is not up, look at the nearest mom near you and say, Sister, you have been called to shift momentum. Yes. And our nation needs a momentum shift right now. I said our nation needs a momentum shift right now. And we're going to, listen, we don't just need one, but I want to decree and I want to declare we're going to see a shifting of momentum in our generation and God is going to use mothers as a secret weapon in homes and let me speak to mothers who are married and even single parent mothers in this house I want to tell you right now the enemy's job is to make you feel useless my assignment is to come and break that lie off your mind today and to tell you that you have been marked by God to make a difference in our generation. And they may never know your name, but they're going to know Christ through the deposit that you make into your babies. If you receive that, say amen. amen. I want you to go to John 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. Say great multitude. They were coming toward him and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he's, but he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. How <laughs> I many know God knows what he's going to do? Yes. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may even have a little, just a bite. And then another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad, a boy, say a boy. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place because how many know he leads us in green pastures? Come on, sheep of God. How many know he leads us into green pastures and besides still waters? There was much grass in the place, and, and so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Look at God. And when they were filled up, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments 
of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said this, this is truly the prophet who has come into this world. Does everyone, everyone see in this text that the eyes of the crowd came open and a revelation of who Jesus was fell on the crowd? And I want to preach today about shifting momentum. And how many know you can't have a shifting of momentum without the first three letters, which is mom? In other words, without some moms understanding their assignment, you can't shift momentum. But I want to decree and I want to declare today that if nothing else happens, God is going to give mothers in this room a grace to make a deposit into the lives of their children that is going to make a difference in our generation. If you believe it, somebody say amen. amen. Jesus, thank you for the word. Thank you for the preaching of it. Thank you for the reading of it. Thank you for those who will now receive it. And I pray the anointing on this house, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Every miracle that Jesus worked was significant. For in every miracle that Christ worked while he was on the earth, a life was changed, a home restored. Someone's future was re-altered and redirected. God made things happen as he worked miracles that took broken people and he made them whole, took blind people and he gave them sight, took lame legs and he made them walk again, took dead sons, raised them up to life. Every time he worked a miracle, a life was changed and every miracle is significant. But I want you to know that there are only two miracles in your Bible that are found in all four Gospels. Now, every gospel has miracles. Some gospel writers, and when I say the gospels, I mean specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some gospel writers include one miracle that the others don't include. Some include a majority of the same miracles. But this miracle and the miracle of the resurrection is the only miracle in the Bible, or the only two miracles in the Bible that occur in both book uh, that, that occur in all four books of the Bible in the Gospels. We're having a time out here because the Wallace family said, bless Jill, little Genesis on her way out, and her daddy has ADD, and now I'm delivered. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was, she was trying to talk to me, and I was trying to tell her, I'm preaching here. Can't you see that? And then she got madder, and I said, okay, you're going to have to go to your room. <laughs> so now we're delivered, and we can continue. Praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. This miracle, <laughs> this miracle and the miracle of the resurrection are the only two miracles found in all four Gospels. And I think it is significant. Now, you need to understand that John did not write about many miracles. But this is one of the few miracles that John includes in his Gospel. And I think that means to us that there is a significant amount of information and revelation in this miracle that all four gospel writers thought were important even for the different audiences for which they were writing. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. When you think about the miracle itself, it sounds absolutely unbelievable. 
5,000 men, the gospel of Mark and the gospel of Matthew tell us something that John doesn't tell us. John tells us it was 5,000 men. Other gospel writers, speaking of the same miracle, said that women and children were besides the 5,000 men. Very conservatively, we're dealing with a crowd of 15,000 people. That's, that's just if each man was married and had one child. If each man was married and had children like Devin and I did, we have, we have a massive number of people in this gospel miracle. And the Bible says that Jesus had been performing miracles healing people of diseases, setting people free from their sicknesses, and a crowd was beginning to follow him. Why were they beginning to follow him? Two reasons. Number one, he was working miracles. Number two, they were sick and they needed some miracles themselves. And because they knew he was setting other people free, they wanted to get close to him and walk with him and be in the room with him so that when the power of God began to move, they themselves could get deliverance from the thing that had them bound. I want to tell you this today. Contrary to what the mainstream media wants you and I to believe, contrary to what this generation is telling and teaching us, lost people really do want to know more about God. I recognize that not everybody on this planet wants to know more about Jesus, but people who are broken are looking for a miracle worker. They're looking for a way maker. They're looking for someone who can put their broken families and their broken lives and their broken hearts and their broken minds back together again. And this text teaches us that Jesus was working in such a powerful way that the crowd began to leave the comfort of the city and escape to the wilderness of Judea to see the power of God working through this man, Jesus. They came looking for him. And when they came looking for him, there came a point in this interaction between Jesus and the multitude. And the multitude in this text, it's very clear what they represent. They represent the world. They represent the world, those looking for God, reaching out to find him, searching for God in any dimension that they could find him. They, they just want to get closer to Jesus. It reminds me of the scripture in John where he comes to the, the feast and, and the Gentiles come to the disciples and they say to the disciples, we want to see Jesus. We don't want any more religion. We've heard about this man. Even the Gentiles, not the Jews who are awaiting their Messiah, but the Gentiles, the pluralistic Gentiles who worship the God of the earth, worship the God of the ground, worship the God of the stars, worship every kind of God you can imagine. The Gentiles are coming to the rising of his light because they have heard that Jesus is in town and they don't want any more of their pluralism. They want to find the way the truth and the life. I tell you, church, do not buy into the lie that people are so messed up and screwed up that they don't want the Lord. They're looking for Jesus and they're trying to find him among us. And in this text, Jesus and the church are up in a mountain together. Jesus sees them. You say the church? Yes, that's the 12. They represent you and I, those who are walking with the Lord, those that know the Lord, they're, they're in the mountain with the Lord and Jesus sees the multitude. 
And he says, they're hungry. We have to feed them. And I want you to look, and, and if you read this story in all four Gospels, you will see this even clearer than just the John version of this miracle. But, but all four Gospels reveal that the 12 disciples, their idea of dealing with the hungry people was to get rid of them. They're hungry. There are 5,000 of them and only 12 of us tell them to go home. This is sometimes the prescription and the answer that we come to in the body of Christ when we see the hunger of the world. We often don't know that we have the answer for what they're looking for. So when we're not aware that we possess the answer, we start doing crazy things like pushing them away. We don't have what they need. We can't supply what they're looking for. We don't have the answers that they're searching for. Send them away. And here's what it looks like. You ready for this? Jesus asked a question of Philip. Where can we feed them? Where can I buy food for these people? And so what does Philip do? First thing Philip does is he goes and looks at the bank account. And he says, we couldn't give everyone a bite if we had 200 denarii, which is eight months worth of salary. If we had eight months worth of salary, we couldn't buy enough bread to feed all these thousands of people one bite. And Philip missed something. Jesus was not asking him where we could buy food. The Bible says Jesus was testing Philip to see what was in his heart. I want you to know today that part of the foolishness happening in the world is not Jesus not having the answer. It is the Lord testing his bride to see if they know who they are and who they possess and what they have. When the bank account in a local church says you can't and you look at your bank account before you ask God about it and you lead according to what you have in your pocket, you are not doing it the way God has called you to do it. Too many churches look in the bank account and they say we can't do it. Well, if you don't look at the bank account, you'll do what Andrew did in this story. Andrew went and looked in the cupboard. Philip said, we don't have enough money. Andrew said, all we have is five loaves and two fish. What is that among so many? <laughs> what do you do when you look in the bank account and it's barren, and I've been there, and what do you do when you look in the cupboard and you don't have enough to feed the need? This is what Christ is trying to point us to this morning. We will never have enough in the bank and we will never have a cupboard big enough to be able to rely on the strength of our own ability to feed the masses of humanity. God has made this thing called the church ultra dependent on the power of God. And if we don't tap into that power, we will continually do what these 12 did, and that is we will look at the world, how screwed up it is, how messed up it is, how hungry they are, and we will say, leave us alone. We got our own little group right here in these four walls and we don't know how we're going to feed you and minister to your need and God said I did not come just to keep saved people happy I came to rescue the perishing and to feed the hungry I want to say it I've said it a hundred times I think I'll say it a hundred and one every coin 
Somebody give me a quarter, a, a penny, a nickel. Some, okay, it's not working out for TV. When you find one, let me know. Every coin has two sides. This house has a ministry that has two sides. One side is called maintenance. Thank you. You know it would be the CFO, <laughs> chief financial officer that had the quarter. Hallelujah. Every coin has two sides. Every church has two different approaches to ministry. One is called maintenance. One is called mission. Maintenance is how we take care of people who are already in the family. Maintenance is how we help your family grow stronger, your marriage get better, your, your, your parenting skills. and how, we, we just started Financial Peace University. And there's all kind of things we do for maintenance. That's how we keep saved people saved and saved people happy. Maintenance. But there's another side of the coin and there's another side of the ministry and it's called mission. Mission is not about keeping you happy. Mission is not about keeping us satisfied. Mission is about us thrusting out into the world and winning lost people to Jesus. And when the, I'm going to preach here. I'm going to preach. When the church becomes more maintenance oriented than it is mission minded, when we get more focused on how we feed ourselves and less focused on hungry, dying people who are on their way to hell, who do not care about the color of our carpet or our walls or our sound system or our smoke machine. They want to know, where can my hungry, languishing soul find bread that will last and water that will satisfy Churches have become maintenance-oriented. And, and listen, we're here to serve. Our team is here to serve. We are here to maintenance and to make sure we meet needs. Oh, Lord Jesus. And settle disputes. I feel like, a, I feel like half the we run around putting fires out. But I'm going to tell you what the most important thing we can do is not put the fire out that your carnality keeps breathing on. The most important thing I can do is build a fire and keep a fire burning. And I'm talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus a really big deal and brings hope to hopeless people. So Philip says we don't have the money. Andrew said, we don't have the food. Jesus said, what do you have? I thought this was a Mother's Day sermon. It is. It's coming. At about 11.45, it's coming. What? What? You don't have enough money. Okay. Pastor, I'm talking to pastors right now. You don't have enough money. Okay. You don't have enough supply. Okay. What do you have? God will never get to work with what you don't have. He will always start working with what you do have. Well, I'm waiting. What are you waiting on? I'm waiting on the bank account to get full. I'm waiting on the cupboard to get full. Well, you keep waiting and they're starving. Jesus doesn't wait till you get all that you need. I'm talking to some preachers right now. He doesn't wait till you get all that you need before he gets to work. He often asks the question, okay, you don't have what you think you need, but what do you have? Well, all we have 
is a boy. Can I stop right here? He's a boy. How do we know he's a boy? Because he has organs that say he's a boy. Can I clean something up real quick? God, I'm plowing. On, on Mother's Day, I'm plowing. But there's some mamas who've been waiting on me to say this, and I'm getting ready to set some mamas free. You don't have to worry about how to communicate with delicacy and with intricacy all of the sexual orientation that is going on in our world today to make sure your children are well-rounded in their thinking about sexuality. This is real simple. God told you what your children were when they were born based on the sexual organs they have in their body. I'm sick of it. We need a revival of sanity in the church. And for you to think that I need to reassess my presentation of theology simply to accommodate a bunch of mind-bent people who are pedophiles and perverts. Wait a minute. This stuff is not hatched in the minds of sanctified people. It is being hatched in the minds of people who are godless, living in the dark, and they want us to join them living in their darkness, and I'm not going into their closet with them. Not doing it. Mothers... I want, this is just in the text. It's, the, the Bible called him a lad, a boy. So mothers, let me just take a moment in the middle of this message to encourage you. Sometimes you need to tell your son he's a boy. Sometimes you need to tell your daughter she's a girl. Sometimes you, let, you need to let your son play cowboys and throw footballs and jump in creeks and rope swing and walk around barefooted and get dirt under their fingernails and be a boy. And sometimes you need to let your daughters dress up like a princess and dance with daddy at the royal ball and let her know she's beautiful. Some of y'all are looking at me like you don't know this and you've bitten this lie that is being thrown out in this nation. Here's the crazy thing. It ain't even a majority, but they're loud. And I just made up my mind, Devin said to me a couple of weeks ago, we're going to have to be loud about this. And there are people who don't want us to be loud because you think I'm standing on a soapbox. I just want to present the truth so that we can keep some normalcy in our generation and stop this foolishness. Don't follow this garbage happening in some circles in America. It's not mainstream, it's a polluted stream. I don't want pedophiles informing my children about sexual orientation. I don't want them teaching my sons and daughters out of a book written by somebody that does not know the ABCs and the birds and the bees. Jesus, help me. I do not want an agenda-driven educator putting the brains of our children in their defiled hands and shaping their minds to think in ways that defy and rebel against God. Mama, Give them the Bible. You can laugh at the Wallace crew. 
You can tell Devin and I we're old-fashioned, archaic, outdated. We haven't gotten with the times yet. But as for me and her and those 73 children we have, we will, six, but it feels like 73. We will serve the Lord. Do you hear what I'm telling you? We will serve the Lord. I still believe in princesses. I still believe in princes. I still believe in love. I still believe in truth. Don't get rocked to sleep. The world is not looking for another crazy thing to, to jump into. They're looking for truth and we have it. The church, silver and gold, have I none. But what I have, I yeah. Oh, glory. I better behave because some mamas in here look pretty, but we're about to throw off the Maybelline and put on some, put on some war paint and tell the devil, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you've got. Get your hands off, oh, Get your hands off my children. This is crazy. And we're watching this stuff happen and we think it's normal. And, and the other thing we don't do in the pulpit is we don't talk about it because we're afraid of a side where we don't want to offend one side or the other. I don't care what side you're on if you're not on the Lord's side. So let me give you three things and I'm gonna go let her finish this mess I'm creating up here. <laughs> Hungry humanity shows up. The church is empty in the bank account and in the cupboard, minus five loaves and two fish. And he says, what do we have? We got these five loaves and two fish from a boy. A boy, just a boy. I looked at it in the Greek, it's a boy. <laughs> a young child who has five loaves and two fish. And what are they among so many? So many. The Lord said, bring it to me. And here's what I wanna to talk to mamas about today. Keep packing your children a lunchbox. Because you, I'm getting ready to bless myself and I'm not even a mama. <laughs> Keep packing your children a lunchbox full of bread. Bread. Just the bread. Little fish and the bread. Every time you pray, you're putting bread in the lunchbox. Every time... You read them the Bible. You're feeding them and putting a little more bread in their lunchbox. You ready for this? Every time you look at their little rebellious selves and you tell your three-year-old, no. <laughs> well, we wouldn't want to shatter his identity. No, but you'll change it from a boy to a girl.
We don't want to hurt his feelings. Sometimes little Sally and little Johnny need to be told no. And every time you do it, every time you do it, you're putting food in their lunchbox. You're just helping them. You're helping them. Do you, think, do you think for a moment she woke up that morning and did anything she doesn't normally do? Do you think that morning she woke up and thought, the mama woke up and thought, today, little Johnny is going to make history. How's he going to make history? I'm giving him five loaves and two fish. She didn't know she was going to make history. She was just trying to make his lunch. And she filled his little pouch with bread and fish. And when the world came looking for Jesus, and they were trying to find hope and healing, the disciples, the hired ministry, didn't have the answer. But they had enough wisdom to say, we do have a boy with five loaves and two fish. Mama, I just want to encourage you. Keep packing that lunchbox for that baby. You are going to make a difference in this generation. I suppose this came to me yesterday because I was standing in the nation's capital. And I must be honest with you, when I go there, I don't feel sprite and excited. I feel heavy at times. I mean, you walk, I flew into the city. I flew out of the city and felt it start lifting. That's how real it is to me. And, and I left one of my most prized possessions in that city, three blocks, three houses away, four houses away from the nation's capital. And I sat there and looked at Jeremiah. And this, this message I'm preaching to you today, it's the message the Lord spoke to me the night he was born. Because with every child that we have had, I have always prayed, God, what is your word over my baby? And with every child God's given us, there's a word over every one of their lives. You may think that's spiritual. I think it's destiny. Well, well, it don't matter. It don't matter what I think about my children. They're going to do whatever they want to do. No, they're going to do what you let them do and what you lead them to do. I'm standing there in the nation's capital with my son, my 20-year-old son yesterday, and I remember the day he was born, Q. The night he was born, God, I, I took a drive. I had to get out of the hospital. Devin was hollering at me, and she sounded like Darth Vader. She was screaming at me. I couldn't handle it anymore. So I went and got me a crystal. God knows that God speaks at the crystal parking lot. Hallelujah. I pulled into the crystal parking lot. This is the truth before God. It was 1 a.m. And the Lord, I said to the Lord, thank you for this baby. What are you saying to me about his life? And he said to me, John 6. And I opened my Bible in my car in the parking lot at Crystal. And I read this story I read to you this morning. And the Lord said, Kevin, I will take what little bit his mama puts in his lunchbox. And he will bring it to me, and I will feed the world. Now, you don't ever know what kind of world changer you have sitting under your roof. But your faithfulness to fill their lunchbox is going to shift the momentum 
in a moment where it looks like the kingdom of God is outnumbered and overwhelmed. Can you imagine this? And I really am going to sit down. 5,000 men plus women and children. 15, 20,000 people. I read this week that momentum is mass times velocity. Keelan, you know this. Mass times velocity, which means this. You can have something real small moving real fast and it don't have a lot of momentum. But you can take something big and get it. That's why, we, that's why a train is much more potent and devastating if it hits something than a BB. The BB can go faster, but it's smaller in mass. You get a train full of all that mass and weight moving at a high velocity, and you get lots of momentum. Look at this crowd. 5,000 men, women and children, all converging on Jesus. Lots of momentum and no answers from the church. And a boy stands up with five loaves and two fish and shifts the momentum. And the old church I was raised in would have sung this song. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Little is much. Pavlo's two fish, what is it among so many? It ain't enough until you bring it to him. Mama, I want to tell you this. What you are giving your children and what you have given your children is going to change the world. Pastor, that sounds too, too good to be true. I'm not asking you to think it true. I'm asking you to believe it is true. The other thing I want to tell you is this. I shouldn't say this as I give it to Devin to finish this message, but I want to tell you this. We don't know the boy's name. The only person's name we come away with knowing in this text is Jesus. And I hope you get comfortable raising children who don't have to have a known name. Oh, I want my little Johnny to, you know, this is why we're ruining kids' lives. We have seven-year-olds that are essentially working out five hours a day after school to play on baseball teams, to get a scholarship, to play in a league that 1% out of every person in the sport will play. They're, listen, don't drive your kids to fulfill a dream you had for yourself that you couldn't. I feel it. I feel it. I want my baby to be known. I want him to be known. I want Jesus to be known. And sometimes we ruin our children by wanting them to be known when all we need to know is that he was a lad with five loaves and two fish. Yeah, and if you'll take Johnny or Jeremiah or Isaiah or Sally or Benjamin, whoever it is, and if you'll put fish and bread in their lunch bus. Hear that sound? It's a great sound, isn't it? If you'll put fish and bread in their lunch box, God will take their not enough, multiply it, and shift the momentum. 
I believe what America needs right now is some mamas who know how to pack a lunchbox. Yes, we, we, we've got, listen, we, we, I want to simplify it as best I can for you today. You say, Pastor, where do I start? Start right where you are. And let me tell you the last thing about this bread. It's barley, which is the most least desired bread you could have in that day. What's the point? This was probably not a rich family. It was probably a family that didn't have much, but what she gave him, she, mm, it meant something. What she gave him was the best that she had. Other people would have said, barley? We want some sourdough. We want whatever you like. I don't know what you like. I like the bread from, never mind. It doesn't matter what kind of bread I like. The, the bottom line is bar, barley is the worst kind of bread you can give, but it was the best that she had. And here's my point. Mom, you keep doing your best because the world tells you you're not doing good enough, but barley will make it. Barley will get the job done. Barley will get the job done. If you can't buy Nike Air Jordans for your child, don't go get a credit card so that they can live a facade. If the best you got is a Reebok budget, give them Reeboks and watch God bless them with Reeboks. I'm telling y'all something. I'm saying some stuff right now, but mama, you don't have to try to provide name brand the best. that You, you just give them the barley and let God bless the barley. You do the best you can. Moms are going to shift the momentum of this thing. I'll speak to dads maybe in a couple of weeks, but moms are going to shift the momentum of this thing. And one of the moms that I believe God is raising up to shift the momentum in our generation is in this house. Oh, you got one in your house too, but let me testify about the woman that's shifting things in my house. I want to thank God that when I went to Washington, D.C. this past week, my son, I was on my way out the door. I didn't want to intrude. I didn't want to impose on him. He said, Dad, I want you to lay your hands on me and bless me before you get on that plane. I said, I was waiting on you to say that, son. I pulled the oil out. I pulled the oil out. And oh my God, I laid my hands on his head. I said, devil, in the name of Jesus, he will rest, he will sleep, he will be favored, he will be the head and not the tail. He will be above and he will not be beneath. I'm telling you, mama, you got the power to shift things. Where are the mamas at in here? I want every mama to stand up right now. Every mama. Come on, we're getting ready to go. Devin's going to come out. I want her to release this word that God gave her. But, uh, and, and I believe she's going to say, but I want, every mama to sh I want every mama to stand up right now. We're getting ready to shift something in this atmosphere. I don't know if it'll shift everything in the nation, but if we shift something in this atmosphere, may the reverberations and the ripples of it extend beyond our borders. I want mamas right now to throw a hand up in the air, and I want you to declare for from this day on, say it, mama, say from this day on, I will equip my children every day of their life when they're in my house and when they leave my house. I will equip them with what they need to be everything God has called them to be. And I declare my children are gonna make his name great. Somebody give God a praise right now. Mama, I want you to praise him that your children, I feel the Holy Ghost here, your children are gonna make his name great. Everybody's got a crowd. Everybody's got a demonstration. I need some mama 
salvation right now. And if you would say, Pastor, my children are away from God, I want you to really go to praising God right now. It's only because hell is nervous about your children. Give her a microphone. Get the microphone, woman of God. I want you to high five somebody right now on Mother's Day and say, Mama, it's time to shift an atmosphere. Come on, y'all. Let's go five more, ten more minutes right here. But I need somebody to really do it before we get in the car and go to lunch. Somebody holler at that woman standing near you and say, Mama, it's time to shift momentum. Tell them you have the answer. And it's getting ready to shift right now. I just want to release a word of the Lord over you today on this Mother's Day. We saw the girls dancing, and I just want to say it again. We're in a shift. Everybody say shift. I shared it with the students this week. In Ezekiel chapter 1, as the, the cherubim are in the glory of God, it says this, that they were in a storm or a vortex because the Lord will move in a swirl. And in order to keep up with the presence of the Lord, they had four faces, say four faces. And I don't have time to demonstrate today, but back to back, these faces faced outward so that whatever direction the Spirit of the Lord went, the cherubim could follow, but they never turned their back on the glory. In fact, if the Lord went one direction, they would just change the face that was leading. And so there were four faces, say four faces. One was a human face that shows the humanity of God and us being created in his image. And I could preach a whole sermon on that for our nation right now, the face of the image of God. One was the face of an ox. And if I could preach to moms today, I believe I have some ox in the house. And I don't mean our weight, ladies. I mean the weight we carry. Because the ox is a beast of burden. A donkey is stubborn. It'll stop working when it wants to. But an ox will literally work until it falls over dead with a heart attack. It will not quit until the job is done. Do I have some ox in the place today? The third is the face of an eagle. Eagle vision. There are times the Lord will cause us to shift our face to eagle vision. And I don't know if anybody had a mama with eagle vision. They just knew where you were and what you were doing when you didn't want anybody else to know. Can someone say amen? Eagle vision, the ability to see in the dark, the ability to see down the road. And as the glory of the Lord would move, these faces would shift. And I just feel like today I want to declare a face shift over the women in this house and even the men in this house. Because the fourth face, there are times the glory of the Lord would move in a direction and the cherubim would slip to shift to the fourth face and it was the face of a lion someone say a lion or in this place a lioness and as we were watching women in this nation lift their voice and speak in many directions I have always valued meekness I have always kind of shied away from platform of sharing my opinion all the time but I'm here to tell you the Lord spoke to me and he said, Devin, I want you to shift to the lion face because right now the glory is moving in a direction where it's time for my bride to make some noise. And what I want to release over the mothers today is the glory is shifting you to a lion face. Someone say a lion face. 
And it's not the time for the daughters of God to be silent in this season. I know there are times that we're supposed to hold our peace, but Kevin just preached a message. Our children's futures hang in the balance, and there are some mamas that need to speak up and shift to a lion roar. I want you to raise your hands in this house with me if you're willing to shift to a lion face. God, let your glory empower your daughters to roar. What will shift this nation will be the voice of the daughters of the body of Christ lifting their voice. Because I'm here to tell you, you can put those hands down. When a lion is trying to fight for territory in a jungle, they will roar to mark their territory. And the only thing that will silence an inferior lion is the roar of a louder lion. And I'm here to tell you, there's a lion trying to take territory in this nation right now. And the only thing that will shut his mouth is the roar, the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. This will be a war of volume. This will be a war of truth. And I'm here to tell you, the lion of the tribe of Judah wants to roar through you. Put your hands on your belly today and say, on this Mother's Day, I am empowered to roar. As we look at all these beautiful flowers, y'all see the beautiful flowers? We're in a season shift. And I'm here to tell you this roar is going to bring measured fruit in this nation and in our lives. For a hundred days at the beginning of this year, I think that's the last time I spoke at this church was declaring the hundred days. We have sowed after seed after seed in prayer and declaration and seeking the Lord and in fasting. And I'm here to tell you, as we see these flowers, Crystal declared it a couple weeks ago on Mother's Day, this is so appropriate, that April showers bring May flowers. What is the roar about? There is a harvest that the enemy wants to steal. What is the roar about? Why does a lion, why do we need to step out on our territory? I told the students this uh, Tuesday, the Philistines were the enemy of God's people, but they did not show up during seed season. They would let the children of Israel cultivate the land. They would let them plant seed. They would let them sweat and toil, and they would sit there and watch them work. But the Philistines would show up in the land of Israel at harvest season. Someone shout harvest season. When it was time for that seed to bear fruit, the enemy would come in. The Philistines would come in, and they would try to take the harvest. Someone shout harvest. Why am I anointing you to roar today? Because we are entering a season of harvest. Our season is changing. We were in a hundred days of seed sowing, but I'm about to prophesy a harvest is coming off of that seed and the enemy is terrified. We will not sit back and let the enemy take this harvest because we planted, we sowed, we sweated. Some of us sowed in tears and I declare you're about to reap in joy. Say April showers. Bring May flowers. So the beginning of this year was a seed season, and then the rain came. How many remember our turbulent March and April? We didn't have any huge tornadoes this year, but in March and April, after that seed is in the ground, rain will come. Now, you don't shout about the rain if you don't have seed in the ground. Because when, when rain falls on ground that doesn't have seed, it just gets wet. But when it falls on ground that has seed, something happens. Rain does not produce seed. Rain exposes seed. Rain calls the harvest out of seed. And how many remember a season of double rain over this house? Double rain for double harvest. And what I came to prophesy in is in a seed season. Kevin preached it this morning. The little boy had a lunch. It was a seed. It was a lunch bag. But at the end of the story, they fed 5,000 men, women, and children plus, and they took up 12 baskets.
baskets of leftovers because they needed baskets for the harvest. Listen to this. They needed a bag, a lunch bag for the seed, but they needed 12 baskets for the harvest. Do you hear me? They needed a lunch bag for the seed, but they needed 12 baskets for the harvest. And I came to prophesy to you on this Mother's Day, Isaiah 52. It's time to stretch out the tent pegs. It's time to enlarge your place, your territory, because that hundred days was a seed season. And if I was going to plant a field as a farmer today, I could carry a bag of seed, Pastor Richie. I could carry a bag of seed and plant a whole field. But when it's time to harvest that field, my bag doesn't do anymore. The season shift, it demands a, a container shift. And when I go back to reap that harvest, I put my bag down and I get a truck and I begin to load the, load the harvest on the back of the truck. What are you saying, Pastor Devin? I am declaring a season shift over this house on Mother's Day. I'm declaring seed season is over. Put the bag down. You've already sowed. I declare it's time to pull up the U-Haul. It's time to pull up the truck on this day, May 8th of 2022. I declare it is harvest season over your house and over redemption to the nation's church. April showers bring May flowers, and I declare fruit is springing forth. Somebody shout amen in this place. So lift your hands all over this house. I declare supernatural harvest is springing forth. What was planted, what was hidden, what was protected, I declare it springs forth. And as we see the flowers budding all over our nation right now, I declare the fruit of our prayers shall spring forth. I declare the harvest of every seed sown is springing forth. I declare promises that have been prayed over, wept over, are springing forth. No longer will they be hidden in the ground. I declare we will see the fruit of the seed sown in the name of Jesus. I declare harvest season. Somebody lift your hands if you receive it. There's a shift. The April showers are bringing May flowers. And I declare the containers we've used in the past are not enough to hold what's coming. I declare the containers and the structure we have used in the past for a seed season aren't sufficient for a harvest season because God is about to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we can ask or think. There's an accelerated harvest. There's a swirl of harvest coming to your house and to your life. I declare promises are springing forth. New life is springing forth. I declare baskets with leftovers are springing forth in your house. When you reap a field it doesn't just feed your house it'll feed your whole neighborhood and I declare this house will be a bread basket it will be a house of bread that will overflow and overflow and feed this community in this nation so raise your hands on this Mother's Day father we close this wonderful service by saying Lord we give you our seed season we recognize the seasons changed the turbulence we experienced in the atmosphere was a collision of seasons changing. The struggle was over seasons changing. But we declare now the harvest season comes.
And Lord, I pray over every house for a faith, a larger container together what is coming to their children, to their marriage, to their business, to their finances. And Lord, we declare over redemption to the nation's church. We are pulling up the truck. We are pulling up the U-Haul. We declare April showers are bringing May flowers and this house will be a garden of harvest in the name of Jesus. We receive it. If you receive it in this place, will you just give God a shout of praise that harvest is coming to your family. Harvest is coming to this nation. We shall see life spring forth in Jesus' name. Keep those hands lifted. I want you to let the lion of the tribe of Judah roar through you. The enemy cannot take it. The enemy cannot steal it. The enemy cannot stop it. The enemy cannot hinder it. He cannot have this harvest. We draw a line around what belongs to us and we let the lion of the tribe of Judah roar. We roar over this season in Jesus' name. If you receive the word of the Lord before we leave one more time, put a shout on it. Put a shout on it. We're going, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're in this room. I believe harvest time is on us. I believe it has just begun. I believe April showers are bringing May flowers. And I believe some of them flowers are in this room right now. If you're in this place and you would say, Pastor Kevin, I need to come into the kingdom of God. I'm not asking you if you've been to church. I'm not asking you if you've heard about Jesus. I'm asking you if you need to give your life to Christ. If you're in this room and you know you're away from God and you know you need to come to him today, I don't care what you've done. It don't matter what you're doing. He loves you. We will love you. We love you just like you came. He loves you just like you came, but loves you too much to leave you like you are and where you are. He will pull you into his kingdom and bring you into purpose and destiny. If you're in this place and you need to say yes to Christ and you need to come out of the darkness into the light and you want to serve God and you want to give your heart to Jesus who died so that you could have eternal life, I'm going to say three. I want you to throw your hand up in there and say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want him to forgive me of all my sin and take my sins away. And I want to live with him and I want to live for him for the rest of my life. If that's you, Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you and you need to give him your life, when I say three, lift that hand and say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. One, two, three, right now. Just lift that hand up. Lift that hand up. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. Put your hand down after you lift it. Thank you. God bless you back there. I see your hand. You can put your hand down. Here's what I want us to do. Everyone look at me. Everyone listen to me. No shame, no judgment or condemnation. The truth will make us free. Bring us out of deception into the truth, God. Bring us out of deception and into the truth today. I want you to ask your neighbor on both sides of you, right back there. I want you to ask your neighbor on both sides of you, right back there. One question. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, I want you to come out of your seat when they ask you that question. We got prayer warriors, prayer leaders who are standing here to pray you through. Pray with you. God's going to touch your life, give you purpose, and give you hope. You just have to say yes. Ask your neighbor right now. On both sides, do you need someone to go to the altar with you? And if you need to pray, 
If you lifted your hand or you should have, I'm going to open the altar for you to come. Just take your neighbor by the hand and come with them right now. God bless you for coming, family. Anybody else? This young lady's already come. Some are coming. Keep coming. Come on. I want to give Christ my life. God bless you for coming. God bless you for coming. Anyone else who wants to throw your own life away and find your new life in Christ, thank you for coming, sweetheart. Come on. I wish people would get happy. I know we got to go, but people are coming to Christ today. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Stretch your hands toward the altar. If you got to go, we love you. Have a happy Mother's Day. Remember, no service tonight. We'll see you this Wednesday night. But those of you staying, I want you to stretch your hands toward these who've come to the altar. And let us pray for God to rescue and save people this morning. Father, we thank you for making all people new. All people new in grace today. Come on, it's harvest time. People are coming into the kingdom of God right now. We give you glory for it, Lord. We give you glory for it, Lord. We give you glory for it, Lord. And as they, as they come to this altar, Father, I thank you for bringing them into new life. And as they leave this building today, every person that leaves this building, I declare they leave in harvest time. I thank you that April showers are bringing May flowers. It's harvest time. I thank you that bags are turning into baskets because it's harvest time. And we praise you for it now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for coming right here. Pray with them. They're going to keep praying. I want you to go in the peace of God as you have to go. Stay as long as you can stay. I just want the band to continue to, pro to play and worship unto the Lord. May God bring harvest into every family, into every life. We bless you. Happy Mother's Day. May you go in the peace of the Lord this afternoon. I believe this message today is speaking life and hope to you in your journey. We wouldn't be bringing it to you today had it not been for faithful partners around this nation who are helping us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to leave us a prayer request, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv. Let us know how our team can pray for you. You'll also find a place there where you can learn more about partnership, how you and your family can help us continue to spread this good news of Jesus around this nation and around this world. I look forward to hearing from you, and until next week, God bless you. We're praying over you and your family today.